When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hello, you're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Mason Dixon, joined once again by my phenomenal co-host, Corey, the Bayou Benders. And this is Habs Nightly, your hub for Habs content. All right, so we're back again. It's a uh, cold Sunday night in Ottawa. I'm joined by my not-as-cold co-host from New Orleans. How are you, Corey? I'm doing good. It's nice and breezy down here right now, 75 degrees. I know. Uh, fall weather at its finest. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, I, uh, I'm With me shaving my head now, I get colder a little faster, and I'm actually liking it because it's like uh, I'm not sweating as much, except for when it's hot, then I sweat ridiculously because there's no hair to kind of stop it. But it has been a treat. We went fishing the past two days because of it. And uh, it's been it's been real nice. It's been very lovely. It actually feels like it's supposed to be October, you know. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, you know, enough about the gloomy weather. Let's talk about the gloomy play of the Montreal Canadiens. Let's hop right into it. I wouldn't even call it gloomy weather, but the play has been fucking gloomy. Oh, it's been gloomy up here. And it reflects the play of Montreal because oh, – shit. The Habs have started the season 0-3. Um, I, interestingly enough, saw a stat the other day that said only four of 16 teams to start the season 0-3 in the last however many years have actually gone on to make the playoffs. Not good odds <clears throat> for Montreal. This is a horrendous start. Um, I don't know really what else to say. I think Montreal really, really looks tired coming out of the gate from that playoff run. And the, you know, subtraction of Shea Weber, Carey Price, Philip Deneau, and Thomas Tatar, you know, I don't think it's a, much of a surprise that it's really affected us. I think Gallagher's been less effective because we've lost the Deneau line. Um. And our young guys really haven't stepped up and produced anything. Actually, Suzuki and Caulfield are pointless throughout three games. So is Toffoli. In reality, it's just the entire team, except everyone except Drouin. Jonathan Drouin. 
<laughs> and you Chris know, Wyman. Jake Allen. Jake Allen, yeah. Had, they have not pr- pr- produced or performed, and that includes our coaching staff. Um, Corey, do you want to just jump right in to let's I really want to highlight the game against um New York. That was Saturday night, first game back at the Bell Center. There is going to be some positive stuff we get to talk about afterwards, but we'll talk about Drew and all that later. What I want to focus on is the lack of anything by the coaching staff. Um, you know, we've had three games. Going into this, we played two games and scored two goals. Um, not good enough, honestly, especially considering what we talked about could potentially be an offense that could fire on all cylinders. Now, granted, we are without Paul Paul Byron and Mike Hoffman, but that really should not affect the lineup that that drastically. Montreal has been brutal on the power play. They've really not converted on anything five on five, and we've been unable to score goals. So I like that Ducharme came in and, you know, mixed things up to start the game, had Joel Armia on that first line. I think that's a great, um, what do you want to call it? Swap switch. I like that. Armia can go get pucks and, you know, battle in front of the net, get the puck, dig it out for Caulfield and Suzuki, which I thought he did. I don't know how you feel, Corey. I thought he did a great job with that. No, he did. Shit, yeah, he did. I was yawning. No, it's, all, <laughs> it's all it's all good. Um, I thought he did a great job with that. What I didn't what I don't like to see though. Suzuki from Suzuki, especially he is not shooting and he's dumping the puck in instead of using those hands constantly. I tweeted on Saturday night, don't dump the puck, especially when you've got Suzuki who's doing it more than anyone. It has the best hands mm-hmm. on the team with, you know, maybe an exception to Joan. He has the best hands on the team and he's consistently dumping it. I don't know if this is a, Dominic Ducharme memo, but I don't think it is because we've seen Drew and carry the puck in quite often, <clears throat> but it just doesn't work. Montreal needs to stop this dump and chase mentality. It's not working. And the reason I say there was a lack of anything from the coaching staff is because we saw no line juggling. We saw mm-hmm. nothing. Now, do I want you juggling your lines the first two games? No. But when you've scored two goals, three going into the third period of your third game of the entire season, you need to do something. These lines are not set in stone yet. They're meant to be, you know, shuffled around until you get some chemistry. Nobody was doing anything. And to just not make any changes is disappointing from my perspective, really. And then to continue to ice Savard and Sherratt after what they've done against, you know, to the negative results of this team, it's been brutal. Watching those two has not been a good experience for me, especially when you consider the way Weidman and Kulak have played together. I think that should be our second pairing going forward. And I'm not trying to sound like these, you know, crazy people on Twitter screaming about, you know, oh my God, like Sherrod can't play in the NHL. Or Savard is like a fucking, I don't know, like an AHLer. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying when you have two guys playing at the level in which Kulak and Weidman are doing, they're both one, they're both two and three on this team for points. Weidman has one of our three, three goals 
like Weidman is the only positive, one of the only positive plus minus players on this team. Now I understand plus minus is an awful stat to use, but it does mean something in this situation. Like I just don't, you're being stubborn at that point. Are you not? No, I think you're right. You know, we kind of we spoke about it two episodes back that we did not think that the Savard Sharat pairing was going to make a lot of sense. They're not they're not a great matchup for each other, and um, it's kind of proving that. But if the only positives we have is is a solid, you know, is Weidman and Kulak. If if that's like one of the only takeaways we can get from this, why are you not giving them more time? Like. Uh, Kulak's got the, the lowest number uh, in minutes. I think he's at 42 right now. Um, you know, him and him and Romanov are over – were under 10 minutes over everybody else, and Kulak is significantly less. But if they're, like, the only ones that are kind of getting things done, they should definitely ref- – it should reflect in the, in the line juggling. Like, like you said uh, – Three games in, I'm not expecting a lot of changes, but when there's no offense, when we're getting outscored, I don't see why we're just sitting back and letting them, you know, letting the boys figure this out on their own. You're the coach for a reason, like do something. Now, granted, like I'm not going to shit on them too bad because I think it's it's tough to come back, you know, at the beginning of the season uh, – and then play a back-to-back. I don't think that's good for fucking any team, especially one who is as probably as tired of the, the players that were on this team, you know, during the run are tired and, and still trying to get back into action. Um, you know, <clears throat> as far as that, I, I don't want to be too hard on the team because, I mean, fuck, they played two games back-to-back and then had a, a one-day break and then played their, their first home game. but. You know, uh, I thought the takeaways from the first game weren't bad. I thought we played solid. I thought that first 10 minutes of play for Montreal was just unreal. And I was like, okay, we haven't lost a step. Thank God I didn't tweet that because, you know, I would have just been another person adding to the the karma that has turned this, you know, the last two hours of gameplay into just mush. But you know what? I am going to lay some criticism because Jake Allen has lost two games, two to one. Mm -hmm. How are you losing? Like how you can't do that. He's putting up an effort and it's like, we're just like, Oh, uh, we're getting power play chances and we're just kind of passing the puck around. We lost to Buffalo. Yeah, that was Buffalo. I know Buffalo is undefeated right now. They had to go to the fucking shootout to beat Arizona, Mm -hmm. Arizona. And Buffalo are two of the worst rosters I've ever seen in the NHL. Arizona, especially, that roster is so devoid of talent outside of Clayton Keller and fucking Jacob Chikrin. What who do they have? You don't have anybody. If oh yes, Phil Kessel too. But it's just it's one thing to put up shots. Like Montreal had 32 shots on Igor Shesterkin, and I'm not saying he didn't play good. But you need to get shots from the right places on the ice. You need to capitalize on chances. It's ridiculous. Like, I'm not giving this team any sort of excuse, and I'm not even going to blame the team. I think the players need to perform. But what the coaching staff has come out and shown me to start the season is just 
I shouldn't be surprised, but it's exceedingly disappointing. And to get back to your point about Kulak and his minutes played, what kind of a message are you showing to your players? when And even your young guys like Romanov, that you consistently put up performances like that and you don't get any increase in ice time. And when Montreal is down by a goal. Now, I tweeted this, and I know a lot of people saw it, but I'm going to reiterate it. You're down by a goal. Cole Caulfield scores goals. Ben Sherratt does not score goals. You are going to, you have one minute left to score a goal. Who do you ice? You ice Cole Caulfield. You don't put Ben Sherratt out there. I don't think you put any defenseman out there. I don't think there's a single Habs defender on this roster that I would have out there as my extra attacker, including Petrie, because Petrie should already be out there. Of the five remaining guys, none of them should be your extra attacker, regardless. But your extra attacker has to be Cole Caulfield. Like when you need a goal, you need to put him on the ice. And to not do that and to not feed him on the power play. Corey, have you seen, because I may have missed it and tell me if I'm wrong, but I have not seen a single pass to Caulfield for a one-timer on the power play. Uh, yeah. In three games, in 12 power plays. The power play has been so, like, dismal to watch and it's so crazy that we started this you know game one they're they're reminiscent about how strong this power play can be and there was great looks game one but like you know you can give it okay you know game one jitters we're three games in now and there's still really nothing shining on it it's a lot of puck movement with no execution it's like when you go on the penalty kill against the canadians if you just if you just stand there, we'll just pass the puck around you, and we'll never get an opening. Like we, it's it's I, I don't know, dude. Like you cannot tell me it's a personnel problem because Montreal. I I I heard this and I looked it up. Montreal has not had a power play in the top fifteen in the NHL since 2006 jesus now i want you to consider all the players that have come through this organization since 2006 alexi kovalev saku koivu um mike camilleri max pacioretty alex galchenyuk okay 30 goal season with montreal still wasn't top 15 um who do we have right now cole caulfield tyler Toffoli, josh anderson who else has come and gone through? Thomas Vanek was on this roster. Um, fuck, let me, I'm trying to think of some more. Brian Gianta on this roster. People underrate him. Guy scored 48 goals in the NHL. Um, fuck, who else? Andre Markov was on this team. One of the best power play quarterback defensemen of his generation. We weren't able to. Um, you, you get my point. All the guys that have been able to put the puck in the back of the net that have been great players in the NHL, and we still have not had – like, I was – to put it into perspective, Corey, I was four years old the last time Montreal had a power play in the top 15 in the NHL. (laughs) Jesus. It's disgusting. And and what makes me so sick is, like, 
we fired uh what's his name last season um Kirk Muller Kirk yeah Kirk Muller it's it's got to be a philosophical thing it's an organizational problem yeah because uh, Kirk Muller leaves and guess what we bring in somebody we we bring in the new guy and it's still the same power play. They didn't change anything. It's it's Alex. What I my problem is Alex Burroughs was so good on the power play. And I remember when he first came in, the power play was different. Mm-hmm. We were scoring goals. There's somebody if it, I don't know if it's Bergevin. We can't blame Bergevin for 2006, right? Or 2007 to yeah. 2012. Okay. <clears throat> That's not his fault. But something needs to change organizationally because what I think Ducharme needs to realize is that Montreal, and this is just a Montreal thing. Montreal has always played, as long as I can remember, and I probably Corey, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Probably as long as you can remember, as a defensive team, mm-hmm. you've always been a defense first team. You haven't built a roster to be defense first. If you wanted this roster to continually to, to continue to be built on defense, you would have kept Philip Deneau. Thank you. You would have, <laughs> right? You would have kept Thomas Tatar. You would have kept a plethora of other players that we've gotten rid of. But no, you've built this team based on young run and gun offense. And when you restrict that and you don't allow them to do whatever that, like, you have to, you have to let Suzuki do what he wants. You have to give him the reins. You have to have a very long leash with him. Because if you restrict his creativity, he's going to dump the puck in. And what do you get? Cole Caulfield's not going to go get the puck out of the corner. Cole Caulfield can do many things, but he cannot retrieve a dump and chase style. Like, he can't get that. He can't dig a puck out of the corner off of Adam Fox, let alone fucking Jacob Truba. Or I'm trying to think. I mean, to to play on what you're saying, right? So, like, Nick Suzuki is, like, a one in a million player on this team where we've never had a leash on him and he's gotten phenomenal. He's on the top line now, but yet now he's being limited. You see what I'm saying? Like it's, we're kind of like, we're not making sense. Uh, managerial, like uh, manager wise, like it is so kind of ass backwards. Like, why are you going to put a leash on Nick Suzuki now? After you've given him the go for, you know, last year and the bubble, uh, well, last year and the bubble, to kind of, like, figure it out out there. You know, like, go give it your all. Don't hold anything back. Or, you know, you're not going to get fucking benched. And look at the remarkable improvement in this game. And now we're three games in and we're seeing, like, we're reeling it back in to play, like you're saying, like a defensive style with all fast fucking forwards. That's just, I mean, we're gassing ourselves going back and forth, and then we're just changing lines. It's, it's literally been the show for the past three games. Well, and when Montreal had controlled possession of the offensive zone, like they got controlled possession in there, and they stayed in there, Okay. Shit was happening. That Dvorak mm-hmm. goal happened because we had controlled possession in the offensive zone. I like a rush style of hockey. Montreal is great off the rush. They always have been. But 
you can still have a rush offense without dumping the puck in and dump and chase just kills it's I don't like that style of hockey anyway it worked for Montreal last year because we had big bruising forwards like Joel Armia Corey Perry Eric Stahl you say what you want about him the guy could go into the ports and get the puck you got it done we had all those guys Dano not a big guy Put him on the boards with someone, he's going to go get that fucking puck. He's going to give it to Tatar Gallagher, and they're going to make something happen. Nick Suzuki, Caulfield are not guys who go into the boards and get the puck. They need to have controlled possession, entry into the zone, and then they can let their creativity flow, and they can let something happen. Jonathan Drouin is not a, you know, he's a rush player. But when we've seen him, when he can have multiple touches of the puck in the offensive zone, stuff happens because he can get in there dictated. He's a quarterback. He needs to play on his terms. And when, when you dump the puck in, especially against a team like New York, who has a guy like Adam Fox, it doesn't work. How many times did you see the puck get dumped in and Montreal would pin Fox to the boards and he would lay a dish out from, I don't know, the back of his head straight to the blue line and the puck was gone out of the zone. And you know what I mean? That's the era of the NHL now. It's not just guys like Adam Fox. It's guys like Kale McCarr. It's guys like Quinn Hughes. Um, McAvoy's decent at it. Rasmus Dahlin was doing it in Buffalo the whole fucking game. Ottawa has got Thomas Shabbat. Shabbat. Um, Jake Sanderson is going to be in our division. Tampa has Victor Hedman, Miguel Sergachev. Um, Florida, Aaron Ekblad can do the same thing. And I mentioned Boston has um, McAvoy. Toronto, I think Riley's decent at it too. My point being, not only do you have all these guys in the NHL, you have all these guys in your division who you're going to be playing all the time. Adam Fox wants you to dump the puck on him. It makes his life so easy. But if he actually has to defend against you, it just makes it a little harder. And I, I don't know. I can go on and on about the dump and chase. The dumps, frankly, the I'm grossest thing it. that we we still do. Like, it kills everything, especially when you have defensemen. Like, we'll go back to it. Chris Weidman and Brett Kulak, who can win you entry of the blue line. Mm-hmm. But and it goes all goes back to it when David Savard and Ben Chirot are on a pairing together. One of them has to dish the puck. You rely on your blue liners to get the puck up ice. That's how the NHL works. If you don't have a mobile blue liner, or maybe they don't even have to be mobile, but they have to be able to lay a pass on a pairing, that pairing's toast and your your forwards are toast. So I don't mind those players individually, especially Savard. I think if Savard played with Romanov, it would be a great pairing. Like we saw with him and Sergachev last season. But when one of those guys is forced to make a pass or skate the puck up and give credit to Ben Sherrod, especially he's played awfully, but he's, I think he's realized that he needs to, you've seen him skate up ice and try to make stuff happen, try to get the puck out. How old is he now? 29. He's a 29 year old defense from the NHL. He's not adding that to his arsenal. Okay. Ben Sherrod is what Ben Sherrod is. And he's a guy who's going to get clear people, hopefully clear people off your goalie play them hard, throw the body, and kind of a stay-at-home defenseman. He, he can't lay the puck to Nick Suzuki 
from the half to the half wall or all the way up ice to receive right at the blue line to get like, he just can't do that. So your hand, not only you're hamstringing your, your defense, but you're also hamstringing your offense with that pairing and it could all be solved. Like, I, I just think there's so much that can be solved if Ducharme and the coaching staff was simply willing to change the way the Habs play hockey. And before I move it on, and sorry, I've kind of rambled on here. I think another big factor to Montreal's season, and Jake Allen has played phenomenally, but I think we're really, our blue liners are really getting exposed because Carey Price isn't back there to move the puck anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think Sherrod and Savard can get away with stuff like that because Carey Price can fucking sling a pass from behind the net to the opposing team's blue line for, for an exit, right? Right. Allen's not doing that. No. And Allen, Allen knows he can't do that. He's not. And yeah, he tried it last season and it ended up, I think, a goal against. And that was like the last time we saw it. And, you know, oh, he knows he can't do it. (laughs) Granted, we didn't really shit on him, you know, but like he tried it because why not? You know, like your goal, you know, your goal is to try to help the team as much as you can. And why? change the way that they you know they run on a normal basis you're the backup you're going to want to do things that that are normal to them he tried it it didn't work he's not going to do it again you know <laughs> so mm-hmm. now i sorry continue with what you sorry no no, no. I, I just i'm just saying like even still like uh you know all we all we're, we're losing a lot based on not having that but at the same time it's like i'm not going to make like you're saying alan get out of his comfort zone again to try to make a play that's being forced, forced on him, you know? Yeah. I I don't want to make this guy who's saving us from like blowouts, you know, because he's just doing what's comfortable for him. He's doing the best he can. I'm not going to ask, I'm not going to beg him to fucking dish it out because we're getting burned in our own, in our own end because we can't move the puck uh, fluidly. No, precisely. And moving a little bit on, but my perfect, like, I guess what I'm trying to say is I think our forwards are a big problem here. and Which is insane not, because we said we, we probably wouldn't have to worry about them as much as the defense. Well, what I'm saying is I think you solve your forward problem. Nick Suzuki and Cole Caulfield are going to figure it out, <clears throat> okay? They're too talented. They're young and they're talented. And they're going to figure it out. Mm-hmm. I think you can solve a lot of the problems of this team by fixing the defense. Petrie's had a slow start. Let's let's be honest here. Do you really think he's going to continue to slump? No, no. Petrie will figure it out. But you're not making Petrie's life any easier by making him the only guy, right? Mm-hmm. I think what you need to do... He still needs a break, like... Mm-hmm. I think getting Joel Edmondson back is going to help him significantly. Yeah. And ideally, here's how I think Montreal should play this. It's not going to happen, but if I'm the coach, if I'm Mark Bergevin, Ben Chirot can still play in this league, okay? He's not he's not a bum. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people hate him. He's not a bum. There's a place for Ben Chirot in this league. Two seasons ago, we were calling him part of the tribe. He can play, but you need to put him in a position to succeed putting him as this extra man attacker in over in is not, minute, it's not, it's not putting him in a position <laughs> to succeed. He is a fourth, a number four defenseman on a team. Okay. 
What you need to do is, Mark Richmond, find a trade partner for Sherratt. You found his replacement in David Savard. I think Savard's a better player. I think Savard can succeed as the number four defenseman on this team. You don't need another one then. Right. Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie as your top pairing, I think that's fine. I think we've seen what Edmondson does for Petrie's game. It's going to help him out a lot. Your second pairing should be David Savard and Romanov or Kulak. And then, you know, Weidman and Romanov or Weidman and Kulak on the bottom. Personally, Mm -hmm. I think Kulak deserves a top four spot on this team. I really do. But I know that you're not going to pay Savard that kind of money to play. Maybe you will. Maybe you move him down. What I think you need to do, though, is you need to pair your less mobile guys with a guy who can handle the puck. And what if you're not going to move Sherratt when Edmondson comes back, then at least, like, if you're not going to, like, move him as I mean, like, trade yeah, him. Yeah, you're not going to trade him. Yeah. At least shuffle the pairing so that you have him with a puck-moving defenseman. Right. So as of right now, Edmondson's not back. The way I have it set in my brain for next game, it won't happen. But ideal, and I bet you it would work. And I hope Ducharme fucking does this because please, Kulak, or no, Petrie and Romanov, I liked them together. I actually did. Mm -hmm. Petrie and Kulak works as well. But Petrie and Romanov, Kulak and Weidman as your second, and Savard and Sherrod as your third. If you're not willing to do that, Kulak and Savard, Sherrod and Weidman. Okay. And that, I honestly think with just a simple adjustment, just like that, this team does exponentially better. And I think it's as simple as that. I think everything starts from the back end. And if you can just have a guy who can deal the puck, I think every, like, I really think it's that simple for this team. No, I think it can be too. Uh, Imagine how just talking to you last season before we started, how uh, integral you would think Joel Edmondson on on the top pairing would be. (laughs) Losing Weber Losing Weber is brutal. Yeah. And... He's a hard man to replace, but I really do think that giving Kulak more touches, I really like Weidman too. I want to point mm-hmm. that out. I th- no, I you're right. Think- I think they do deserve a uh, second pairing. And if he if they refuse to, to get Sherrod away from Savard, then they deserve at least to have more, more time, give them the second pairing. Yeah. Kulak is second in this team for points right now. And he's probably played some of the probably played the least amount of minutes of any defender. I don't know. Yes, that he's at forty. Yeah. He's at forty-two minutes, I believe. I'll look it up again and for you. He 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 skates the puck, enters the zone, and is behind the net sometimes. The guy provides so much for this team, and I don't care if you believe in analytics. You love Kulak. I don't. I'm not a big analytics guy, but I have eyes, and I can see that he can play. So. I, it baffles me why he doesn't get more chances. I think he deserves them, and I think he would make the most of them. It's but, uh Brett Kulak, forty-five. Chris Mile, Chris Weidman, forty-three minutes. And I think they've been the two insane, best two best, yeah, <laughs> all season. So, and I'm not saying that Kulak 
Kulak will not succeed as your number. He's not a number one defenseman, as some people on Twitter who like analytics are going to tell you. He's not. But you pair him with a guy like Petrie or a guy like Edmondson in a good role and give him minutes, he's going to succeed. Like, if you give him touches on the puck, he's going to do well. Um, but we've ran that to the ground. That's our negativity. And I think it's some positivity too, right? Like, we're saying – Yeah, no, it, you're not you're – not- like just beating down on the team, you see something that's working and we're just as a suggestion, an opinion, if this is working, why aren't we utilizing this? I'm saying that this team isn't as bad as they look. They're not as good. They're not play. I don't, they're not like a president's trophy team. I'm not saying that's what they'll become. I'm saying it's with a slight adjustment. This team could be so much better and they should be better. But moving on from, you know, I, I guess that's about it. I don't know if you had anything else to add. Um, I'm just, you know, usually it's my Miami Dolphins that are letting me down, not my Montreal Canadiens. And, you know, the Dolphins let me down against uh, this Sunday in London and the Habs let me down. So I'm in a bad mood, but. Oh, Jesus. Well, uh, while, while, while we're on the subject of NFL, uh, we might as well have a quick word with our sponsor, DraftKings. So, uh, folks, NFL fans hung, uh, hungry for a big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, has you covered. New customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. And if they do, you win $200 in free bets. It's pretty simple. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets if they win. You win with the promo code THPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. A $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm fucking firing on all cylinders with these lately. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting too good at that until I go to give an opinion, and I'm like, oh, uh, 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 so, uh, you know, <laughs> Jesus. No, it was beautiful. And <laughs> on the subject of beautiful, I want to point out the amazing response that Jonathan Drewen got in that Habs opener. Um mm-hmm. You know, Montreal Canadiens cannot do a power play, but they have season openers <laughs> figured out, okay? They have them figured out. They're amazing every year. No passing of the torch because no captain. So that was a little mm-hmm. disappointing, but no, I loved it. I loved – I think that was the biggest response I've seen from a player not named Carey Price. It was great. It was a standing O. Um you could tell. You knew he was going to get one. I think you knew he was going to get one. It was a beautiful goal. Great play. Uh, puck protection from Dvorak that led to that finish from Druin, which was silky smooth. Um, Look, really, I, I'm a bit upsetting. You know, uh, no captain, so no passing the torch. 
But, uh, I mean, the, the Canadians did introduce something new that they're going to do every home game. And uh, I thought it was pretty special. I mean, it's in light of, you know, the tragedies that kind of came to surface last, you know, last year. But uh, with them, uh, what is it like? Uh, they they uh, bring to notice, uh, I believe it's the Mohawk Nation before every home game now because, uh, you know, Montreal is uh, – the melting pots, which is a familiar term down here. Uh, it's a lot of, it's a, it's a group of diverse people representing one, you know, city, but uh, they, many first people live in Montreal today. So I thought that was something special, you know, me not being Canadian, it's not as, I wouldn't say important. It's, it's not as televised. It's not as talked about as it is up there. I just thought that was something really special. I, I thought that was a great idea for them to do. Um, and to honor honor these people. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I didn't actually catch it personally, but it's uh, good to acknowledge um, what territory you're on. Um, I, I, I was just kind of, I guess, shocked, and I, I kind of forgot what the Bell Center was like full. Mm-hmm. Um, it was just a great – I just thought it was a great atmosphere in Montreal. And I think – especially seeing that fucking dead ass arena in Toronto on their (laughs) opening night. I was a little smug, a little smug to say the least. So no, it was great to see Drew Dude, They were so quiet that game. Like other than because it's because Toronto's just become businesses and corporations. Mm -hmm. If you're a Leafs fan, you're not at, you don't see the Leafs play. You're, you're the, the fucking Toronto TikToks. No, like you just, it's it's all season tickets, and any real Leafs fans are all in the fucking fourth row. <laughs> like it's brutal. Right. But no, Habs fans are fucking. You know, have, the Bell Center is the same way, but they're all fans. They're all hardcore, and I don't know. It's great to see um, the Bell Center booming. Obviously, Montreal didn't didn't give them much to stand up about, but when when Drew Ann did deliver, it was it was an extra bit special. So it was nice to see. But I mean. Um, you give him a standing O like that, it's like if all things go wrong, you know at least Jonathan Duran is like like gonna have like an amazing game and totally deserving of it for sure. Um honestly, I'm kind of drawing a blank on what else to talk about. Not much has gone down during the season other than we know Edmondson's gonna be out for a longer period of time, up to six weeks, I guess five now. Yeah. Uh, no word on Carey Price. Byron's going to be out for a while. Um, Hoffman, however, could return this Thursday. Mm-hmm. So that'll be exciting to see, or possibly Tuesday. So it'll be nice to see if he gets put back in the lineup, maybe provide some offense. Uh, I mean, I think that would that, be great if, if he does come back. Um, it makes people want to fight for their position, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely. If you don't have anything, though, I have a funny story that uh, I had to be – I had to put the pants on uh, and be a commissioner for the first time in my uh, League of Degenerates. Uh, it happened yesterday, if you want to hear about it. Go for it. Dude. So, we're back to a 10-team a ten team league. It's where it should be. It's, that's, like, the most solid you can get. Anything below that, you're talking, like, basically playing, like, every week you're playing All-Stars, you know. Um so the challenge is back, and, you know, uh, I got my cousin's fiancé playing with us. I love it. Um, 
I hope she beats the wheels off him because it, I just want that dynamic of that house to just be like, I'm not getting my ass beat by my significant other. Um, well, we're, I'm trying to in, implement a little bit more shit talking, a little trash talk, right? So this entire group is people in my age, you know, age range, except for two of them. It's uh, good friends of mine, Matt and Ashley. Um, they're Chicago natives, moved to New Orleans, uh, got married down here, loved their life down here. Um, and I became super good friends with them because uh, when I was working at the bar in the city, they would come and watch Chicago games with us because one of my bartenders was a Chicago fan. So I loved it. You know, it was, you know, I mean, I met them in the era of Chicago, mm-hmm. like Patrick Tate, you know, Patrick. Oh, my God. Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves, you know, was just finally making Chicago worth worth watching. Uh, so we we kind of grew a great, you know, uh, relationship based off it. I cooked for them. They'd give me fucking shots. They tip me. We talk hockey all night. Uh, they're one of the reasons why I even started playing fantasy uh, hockey. Well, just to get the backstory on these people. So <laughs> I'm talking to a new guy who doesn't know absolute shit about hockey other than he watches it with us when we're all together watching it. Um, I'm like, look, I got nine people playing this year. I need a 10th person. Brian, first off, this guy in my phone is named 22 for life because he's like, I think he's like 24 now, but uh, for like a, a solid three years would scream 22 for life at the age of uh, 21, 22, and 23. Um, so this is just an absolute unit of an idiot, <laughs> just a wild character. Uh, he just, he's like, you know what, dude, I'd love to play because I love watching the games with y'all. I don't really know what I'm doing, but I got to learn sometime. And I love this league for that because it's real educational. Uh, I, a lot of my friends love watching hockey with us. Don't really understand it. I feel like playing fantasy gives them a little bit more reason to watch the game. So Ryan's first week, just like everybody else playing fantasy is this week. And he was beating the wheels off of Matt. Uh, granted, Matt is older than me, you know, so like Ryan's early 20s, this man's like mid 30s, late 30s, just to give a little picture, right? He thinks it's not Matt Ryan. He thinks it's Matt, uh, another guy that we play with, cousin. So Ryan goes, to shit talking this guy at like three in the morning. Uh, he hit him with, uh, I think he was like, dude, I'm beating the fucking wheels off of you. Um, fuck the Oilers. Dude doesn't even like the Oilers. He's got one. And, and, and I asked Ryan, I said, why the fuck did you bring the Oilers up? He's from Chicago. He's like, he's got a, he's got a guy from the Oilers on his team. Whatever. You know, that that's, that's a weird flex. Fuck the Oilers, you, your team suffering from Ligma. And I'm like, dude, why, why are you doing this? Ligma balls, fucking, he's just berating this dude at like three in the morning, like absolutely trashed. And then they call me, who's at a fucking party. And I'm like, why are y'all talking to Matt, like my friend Matt on the phone like this? They're like, no, we're talking to Matt in the league because Ryan's beating the fucking wheels off him. I said, dude, that's not your cousin, Matt. That's like a a dude I used to fucking chill with in the city. Like, 
Of course, he's not going to get where you're coming from. He he doesn't even know who the fuck you are. And uh, apparently, Matt fucking blocked him. And Ryan was like, dude, that's such a, that's just a sore sport. I'm like, dude, he's probably got work in the morning. Uh, he's an older gentleman. And he's probably wondering why, like, some 24-year-old idiot's just losing their shit on him. Uh, <laughs> so I called Matt Ferry, you know, before I understood what was going on. I was like, dude, why are you letting him talk to you like that? He's like, who the fuck are you talking about? So I call him back and I find out it's it's Matt that's in the league with us. So uh, long story short, if you guys thought that was funny, so be it. If you thought it was whack, so be it. But I had to be uh, a commissioner today and apologize on his behalf. And I was like, dude, you don't you don't have to un un um, unblock him. But uh, I just want to say I'm sorry on his behalf. He thought you were someone else. And then Ryan at the last minute got uh, got beat by Matt. So I think that's justice. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Man, I was so upset though. I was at the party, like, why are you getting mad? I'm like, dude, like, why are you trying to get the, the you know, like one of the original guys of this league to quit <laughs> because you're beating him by a point? Like, it makes no sense. Um, but yeah, I guess that's it. That's it from my rambling. Uh I'm not su- I'm surprised we actually went on for as long as we did. We got a pretty lengthy episode for just not that much to talk about, even though it's the beginning of the year, folks. Um I expected a little bit more positive from three games in. Um, but unfortunately, we have a game Tuesday against San Jose, who uh, hopefully there's, their lack of Evander Kane can be our um, our positive and get our first win. But, I mean, dude, if I'm being honest, if you don't have anything else to say, uh, I think we should roll. I'm pretty good where we're at. Yeah, I've I've got a I've got a study tonight, so I'm totally okay with that. <laughs> well, why don't you send us out, dude? All right. Well, thank you guys for stopping by, listening to us. Um, went a little longer than we thought, but that's okay. <laughs> um, I guess uh, we'll take it take it from there. That'll be it today. Uh, you can follow us at hockey. You can follow us at Habs <laughs> Nightly. You can listen to us at Hockey Pod Net or wherever you get your podcasts from. And thank you once again. Folks, we'll talk to y'all next time. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from.